Back in action. Sheffield Shuffler, Playmaker, Lost in the Shuffle. It's Tuesday, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. So that means it's Pete and John from Sheffield Shuffler doing our Lost in the Shuffle podcast. John, what's up, my man? What's up, buddy? How's it going? Um, loving, really well. Loving the all-star hat. I'm loving the all-star hat. Let's, it matches, you want to show, you show your shirt? It's very timely. Matches my shirt. And there's ringworm on the back. And a bad haircut. And a bad haircut. Two different stories. Yeah, that's a nice... Uh, if you want to support Tatis, please visit SheffieldShuffler.com and pick up your Tatis shirt available in yellow and black. All sizes available. Get them now. SheffieldShuffler.com. We're working at a ringworm wristband, so be on yeah. the lookout for that. What color is the awareness for ringworm? I don't, I don't Yellow? know. No, that's, I think that's a different one. Live strong. Yes. And like some sort of cancer awareness, like a yellow ribbon, I think. Yeah. I thought that was like pink for, uh, for breast cancer, but regardless, John, it's the best podcast out there. I'm so excited we're for the, today. We've got a lot to cover. We're the number one podcast amongst our friends and family. So we have that going for us, which is great. Got a lot of great yeah, topics today. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about, um, but want to just see what you've been up to in your travels and work stuff with Playmaker. What's been going on? What's new? Um, I haven't traveled anywhere recently since we talked last from the Miami trip. I am going to Milwaukee on Thursday for a bachelor party. So nice. I will be flying into Milwaukee, then driving another two hours up north in Wisconsin, um, I know you're familiar with Wisconsin area. I believe it is near Red Granite. I believe okay. it's near there. If you mm-hmm. know what that is, it's a little bit farther north. So I'll be there for a bachelor party. It's, um, yeah, like a cabin feel. Um, we got a bunch of cabins. There's like 30 guys, dude. Never been to a bachelor party with 30 dudes. That's a lot, a lot of, of man. Are you guys all staying yeah. at like what, uh, some house or something? Some cabin? No, it's like five cabins. Like we all got like five cabins. Jesus Christ. So, so like 30 dudes, five cabins, one cup. Dude, you got to film your exploits. Get some of that. Throw that oh, up on the, on the Instagram. On the oh, absolutely. I, I'm hoping that they'll provide a lot of good uh, content for us. Dude, 30 guys getting hammered and doing dumb shit. I'm sure something's going to come up. Yeah, exactly. Um, Any pa- Is that going to be problematic for you? Being amongst you know a lot of Packer fans? Training camp is... In the midst, we're in preseason now. No, a lot of the guys are Chicago-based, or at least they're in, like, uh, Kenosha area. They're still Bears fans. Um, They're, like, right on that border. A lot of them are a little bit from farther south. This is just, like, more of a destination to go to. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so not a problem. could be in misery together. Misery loves company, as they say, right? There you go. Sweet, dude. That's awesome. That'll be great. Yeah. I'm actually going to... I'm going to Seattle uh, at the end of this week. My sister-in-law is getting married, so we'll be in Seattle for like 10 days, which is pretty, Ooh, pretty sweet. Days. Wow. It's a long time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been, but Seattle, no. the Pacific Northwest in general is absolutely gorgeous. So uh, I always look forward to going up there. So that'll be awesome. Um, Any plans for like a Mariners game? Day in town? No, that's kind of like I'm working. Well, you got a most, wedding. Uh, working most of it. And then the days that I'm off, my wife is bridesmaid, so I'm on my Soul son mission. duty. So basically, oh. I'm literally kind of like a babysitter, essentially. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it'll be really fun for her. It'll be fun for me, too, but it, it will also be uh, a ton of work. But excited to go and, you know, 
and then come back and then it's like Labor Day weekend and football season. I oh my, my god, I didn't even think I have about my that. neighborhood uh fantasy league that I signed up for. I signed up for the competitive right, you league. Saw, you saw it remind people you saw a, a a sign in somebody's yard, right? Yeah, it said, "Hey, if you're new to the neighborhood, sign, you know, if you're if you're a part of this neighborhood, text this number and you know, and so my wife is like, you should do it. Get to know the neighbors. So we just moved in a couple weeks ago. So that that should be fun. I got my Packers flag. It just got delivered today. So I'm just going to wow. let the neighborhood know what's Establishing up. dominance. What's up? And that I mean business. Um, and then I just saw a Twitter post today. Rogers, uh, you know, had a sweet play to Sammy Watkins. So already I'm seeing great highlights from, from training camp. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen any from Justin Fields, unfortunately. Also didn't have really a great game against the Chiefs past week. My wife made me watch that game, which was terrible. Brutal. Um, and segue, uh, and I segue into one of our first topic is the field turf of Soldier Field, which yes. I don't know if you are aware, um, is abysmal. Uh, Rogers has talked about it several times that it is one of the worst turfs, um, in the league. And, uh, I guess it's a sod problem. So they, they've mm-hmm. got new sod. I was listening to the radio today and sod, apparently really? with, with, with this types of sod, uh, it produces a lot of sand. So mm-hmm. soldier field before the chiefs game. And this looks like, uh, you know, a T box or a fairway that hasn't been, uh, well kept for like five days straight. I mean, it's just terrible. I think they said Cairo Santos, their kicker, tried to simulate what it was like kicking Soldier Field by going to like some some shitty like schoolyard and mm-hmm. just kicking off like rock and dirt and sand. So like that's how he's preparing to kick. Um, well, John, when you don't have uh, any kind of money in players, I mean, you really don't have to worry about your investments getting hurt. Basically, it's just a win-win in hoping that uh, the opponents would get hurt, right? Because there's no money on the field. They don't spend it on O-line. They don't spend it on wide receivers. So what are you really losing here, right? Is it bad that I'm shitting on the Bears the whole time? I mean, you're you're not wrong. So you got a place for it. All right. So they uh, also hold concerts there all the time. So, I mean, like, that's another thing is, like, it's not just the field – but they explained it too. So I guess the park district runs it and they own the stadium. Correct. They own the stadium and therefore they don't really care about player safety in general or Mm-mm. just like a good playing field. Like that's not the top of the priority list. So the top of the priority list is like how many big bands and acts can we get in here and make a lot of money? And frankly, we don't really give a shit about the field. And so that's really what they do. And they take no consideration to player safety or, aesthetics or performance like they don't care it has nothing to do has nothing to do with them versus if the bears owned it that'd be something different which is one of the selling points i believe to try to go to arlington heights right. bigger stadium more space and and basically more control over you know those types of decisions and and revenue right exactly yeah the the, the city owns it so they get a cut from everything they're kind of in charge of uh, – it's out of the Bears' hands a lot of the time. So, yeah, it's always been a shitty uh, shitty conditions. You'll see it, obviously, 
later in the season after it's been worked over for a couple of weeks too. Guys, um, you know, get hurt a lot. It's just um, that's just how it is when you come to Soldier Field, right? You really got to have your feet under you, blow out a knee. Yeah, it's it's going to be a rough season. Speaking of that, I want I have a couple of baseball things I want to talk about, but I want to talk about Rogers, Aaron Rodgers' appearance on part of my take. Mm-hmm. Big Cat obviously is a huge Bears fan, so I watched it. Did you watch it? I've watched the clips of it. I, I don't I don't listen to the show or watch it. I've seen okay. like a I don't listen to I don't listen to it clips. either. I just listened to it because the my the Packers quarterback was on there, sure. and uh, you know for the most part it was it was pretty good. It was your classic like giving him shit for being good, um, roasting him, yeah, roasting him. But um, but I thought it was I thought it was good and also like kind of helped Rogers' image, in my opinion, to kind of humanize him. And he made a joke about immunizing his himself with his tattoo and his left arm, like kind of playing into it. So I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, thank God you can fucking joke about it. So people they did cross that. the line once when they asked about how many grandmas you killed and he did not like, yeah, that. he goes, I know you guys are fucking around, but I don't yeah. find that yeah. funny. That was the one yeah. part. And I knew it too. Yeah. I knew he would get, upset about that why was that such an issue why was everything because because you're he's they're insinuating that by not getting vaccinated and lying about it um or misleading people please um that he was endangering people you know that he Mm -hmm. was putting people in danger so he was like no not playing that but thought it was pretty good um want to shift to baseball so let's talk about the elephant in the room which is on your t-shirt Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended 80 games for PEDs. Uh, There was an anabolic steroid for something he took for ringworm, which if it sounds like bullshit, probably because it is. Um, So he suspended the rest of the season and even into the 2023 season. 42, 43 games into next season. 43 games. And... It sucks for the Padres because all of that excitement that we talked about on the last pod with getting Soto, Josh Bell, all this excitement, like they were rolling. He was going to come back and they were going to, I thought they were going to contend with the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. If if not catch them, get the wild card. Definitely a contender and a surefire uh, lock to go deep in the playoffs. This just killed all of their momentum like absolutely all of it. And I feel like lot, like the fans, the organization just lost so much excitement and optimism because he's a fucking idiot, like so stupid. And, you know, they interviewed Mike Clevenger and other players, Machado, like they're Mm -hmm. like pissed. They're like, this is such a dumb, dumb, selfish thing to do. Like we were rolling. We were ready to rock. And, you completely just cut, you know, cut all of our momentum and just, you know, really fucked us because well, he's a huge part of that team and they can't contend with the Dodgers without him. And the, the first thing is, I think is it's a pattern. So I think that's why people are pissed off. If this was a isolated incident, that's one thing, right? This isn't an this isolated. Is the second time, right? 
Well, but also his motorcycle, you know, when he uh, exactly. snapped his wrist for the motorcycle. So you're doing things that you're not thinking about your team for, right? Um, then you get popped for, for this PED thing. And not only does that affect you this season, for the rest of his career, that's always going to be tainted. So, yeah. and, and we'll get to we'll get to what some A-Rod said with Jeter, but that is going to taint his future. No matter what happens to him, it's always going to be like, remember, um, in that season, pop for PEDs might not even go to the hall of fame anymore because he's already associated with that. So that's one thing. It's, it's a pattern of behavior coming from this young player who just got paid and got a big contract and you're not being on your best behavior. Number two, it's terrible for baseball because like you said, it's going to help the, the uh, Padres contend with the Dodgers and who doesn't want to see that. That is great for the game of baseball. Having these superstars, he's a superstar of the game. He's very recognizable plays for a great team. He's very good. So terrible just for the game of baseball because we don't get to see one of the superstars. Haven't seen him all year and won't see him into some time of next year. Bad decision. And then tell me about this too, John. That was excuse number one, ringworm. Now his father comes out and said there was an infection from a haircut. You heard about this? I did hear that. I saw I saw he tweeted about it. I saw that in a tweet. Yes. So that was another excuse. Yeah. So so now Which it's is- not ringworm. Now it's a haircut, an infection from a haircut. Well, it's bull. It's bullshit, and we obviously know that. And it sucks. How many infections have you gotten from a haircut? Zero. Um, okay. And I and if I I would think I would know if I took an anabolic steroid. Like, dude, mm-hmm. this is a very serious, like, strong performance enhancing drug. Like, this is an anabolic steroid. So there's no way he didn't know about it. And I I've I've looked into this, and I've also listened to podcasts. There is an extensive like checkpoint and way for the organization or their doctors or their wellness staff to ensure that any substance they put in their body is okay. There's a laundry list of products that are okay and not okay. And if you have any shred of doubt, you check with your staff. They have an army of people to help them with. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing is shady and it's terrible for baseball. This guy was on the cover of MLB The Show 21 He's one of the most exciting and top players in the major leagues. So this is terrible for marketing. This is terrible for the sport. And then also, too, he has to live with this the rest of his career. We talked about this a million times. Baseball fans are active fans. Okay, There are no passive baseball fans. There are passive football fans who play fantasy football and just check in and want to play fantasy, but they have no interest in the sport and they really don't follow it. You either love baseball or you don't care about it at all. Right. And then because baseball does not have any passive fans, they have strong, uh, you know, a, lot, a strong group of active fans. They forget nothing. They remember everything. We remember the 50 game, 56 game hitting streak. We remember, um, you know, 61 home runs by Roger Maris. We've got 400 batting average with, you know, 406 with Ted Williams. Like, you don't forget this blown, stuff. blown and, calls. Andres Galarraga, perfect game. Oh, of course, Things like that. Absolutely, yeah. we we remember all of that. Like Jose Altuve, George Springer is on the Blue Jays. Okay, uh, you know we don't like. Anytime I see George Springer, I think of the cheating Astros. Okay, I mm. I think every like no one will ever forget. Like the Astros in twenty seventeen won the World Series. It doesn't mean anything. Because they cheated. It means nothing. And the rest of Alex Bregman's life and Yuri Gurriel and that whole team, anytime 
people talk about them, they're going, the first thing they're going to think about is that they cheated. It mm-hmm. won't be the World Series. Um, it's like Bonds, you know? Like, Bonds is a prisoner of the Bay Area. He cannot go anywhere because he is not safe. Once he leaves San Francisco, he is public enemy number one because nobody thinks about his home runs or his gold gloves or all of his amazing stolen bases, all of his amazing achievements. They think about that he lied and that he cheated. And that, and and that, he, was, and that he was an asshole the entire time. I think you get some grace, some grace if you come forward and accept that you were being dumb. If he came out and said, Andy Pettit, Andy Pettit owned it. Right. I mean, you could, yeah. He also turned in um, Roger Clemens, turned on his boy and told him he was like, yeah, he was using steroids, but that's something else. But if he were to come, that's probably because Clemens was a dick too. Probably, yeah. Dude, and I'm we sure saw it was. We saw some of that in the doc. Um, but yeah. if you were to come out and say I fucked up, I was trying to accelerate my rehab by taking these steroids. Like, I think he would get a little bit more grace um, as opposed to not giving up, like constantly lying, coming up with another story. Like that's the stuff that don't call me stupid. You know what I mean? Like we're not stupid. So when you keep saying, "Oh, it was a ringworm," or actually it was a haircut. You're just fabricating these lies to make, you know, make yourself uh, that you're not responsible as opposed to just owning it. I think there comes a lot more grace when you do own it. Of course. It's so much better to just acknowledge, be like, yep, I, I took performance enhancing drugs. You know, that's the problem with A-Rod. First of all, he's a liar and just sucks in every way imaginable. He tries to ingratiate himself to the public. He's like, oh, I'm a, I'm cool. I'm just like you, you know? And, and that was so obvious during the Jeter doc, and we'll get to it, or his interactions with Jeter. Like, they're not cool. And Jeter's looking at this guy like, God, this guy's trying so hard for people to like him, and they just don't. And that was the issue with him in steroids. Like, he eventually came forward, but after getting caught completely, right. and... People like just people don't res- people don't respect you. And same thing with Pete Rose. Pete Rose should have just come clean. But like, yeah, I bet on baseball. And he just never did. And he dug himself deeper and deeper into a hole. So if any of these players get caught cheating, like just be like, yep, I own up to it and just just acknowledge it and move on. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. move on. And he didn't do it. And unfortunately, his legacy is going to take a massive hit as is the game of baseball right now and his team, uh, because there's no way they can beat the Dodgers. It's just, they just can't do it. Not without him. It's, it's just yeah. not going to happen. So, um, opposite side real quick, opposite side of someone who is not coming back. How about somebody that is looking to come back? Did you see Bryce Harper was taking some hacks in the, uh, batting cage. So looking nice. He's back. So he's taking some hacks. How cool is that? Dude, the guy breaks his thumb, Comes back, gets uh, uh, pins put in, taken out, and now he's already coming back. That's a guy. I mean, dude, if you don't want to play for him, if he's not like one of a great teammate, you can call him an asshole, you can call him cocky, whatever. But that guy's a he's a gamer, man. He's a ball player. He wants to play. He's in there grinding. He could have easily, easily said, you know, thumbs broke, taking the rest of this year off. Um, you know, I, I won MVP last year. This guy knows, like, our window is there. The bullpen got fixed. We got a new manager running the show. They need my help. I need to get back. And I respect the hell out of that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
you don't have to be best friends with everyone on the team. Like if I was on the Phillies, like would I hang out with Bryce Harper? Will we have similar, similar interests? I don't think so. You know, we might not ideology might not be the same, but I totally respect him as a player. He works his ass off. He is such a good teammate. He plays hard and he wants to win. And that's all I ask from a teammate is that you support your other teammates. You work hard and you come to win. And that dude, has always been like that since he was 19 with the Nationals, like going balls to the wall, trying to stretch a single into a double, running hard, hustling, like love. Like I'm a huge, huge Bryce Harper fan and would love him on that team. And, you know, you look at the the cast of characters with Schwarber and Castellanos, like those guys are hard-nosed and they have an edge to them. And I like everybody on that team. So that will be yeah. super exciting to watch. Um, this yeah. just dropped uh, not too long ago on Twitter, but you know, so the there was going to be a bobblehead giveaway for Nando Titis Jr., but that. since yeah. he uh, is suspended, they're going to do a Juan Soto City Connect jersey uh, giveaway, which will be awesome. Probably. Yeah, that's even great. better. I mean, yeah, at least I would I would wear that. You know, me too. Um. Cool. I want to touch on this, and I probably should have just kept sharing my screen, but uh, I don't know if you saw this, and I'm, you might have, but um, infielder for the Pirates. Oh, yeah. So he was sliding. Rodolfo Castro, Pirates infielder, was sliding into third base. Uh, John, can you, you share, can see, or is it just me? Can you not see it? No, I can't. I just didn't know if you... We're able to share. I'm sharing. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Never mind. Can you see it? Yeah. I didn't know if you were able to put it up on the screen or if I was. I'm doing it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Pirates infielder Rodolfo Castro was suspended one game and fined for violating MLB's policy when he played while having a cell phone in his back pocket. So he slides into third base and the cell phone comes out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine like how much he got chewed out by the manager for doing that. And then I wanted to ask you, well, he got suspended, but, yeah. but behind closed doors, like what was that conversation like, which would have been very interesting to see. But what I want to ask do? you, has yeah. there ever been a time where you were not playing, riding the bench and you were kind of not paying attention and dicking around and doing other things while you were on the bench? Well, John, first off, I never rode the bench. Okay. I'm an all-star athlete, uh, famous first That's baseman. True. That's different. I, def- I definitely rode the bench. <laughs> I can definitely relate to this. I was like, oh man, if there were, if there were cell phones back in our playing days, like, like, like an evolved iPhone, I would right. 100% be on my phone. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, what is he doing though? Are you tweeting? Are you texting? Um, there's also there's take really it no- out of your pocket. And just right. toss it on the bench. You know what I mean? Like, put it anywhere. You, there's a million places to hide something on a, on a Major League Baseball bench. There's right. seeds. There's gum. Like, there's a million gloves and caps. Put it under anything. Right, but what are you doing? Why do you need your phone while, when you're playing in a, in a Major League Is game? Is he just going to, like, take a selfie? Like, hit third base and just be like... I mean, I could see, like, maybe you're a rookie or something. Yeah, like you said, you're on the bench, and I want to take, like, remember this, like, my first game... You know, something like that that would make sense. But yeah, to have it in your pocket, running the bases, like 
I don't know what you're doing. You can't tweet. If you tweet, that's timestamped. Everyone's going to see it. They're going to know, right. oh, this guy was on his phone. They're, he's in the middle of a game. What's going on? Um, texting, I don't know if he's trying to set something up after the game. Um, but, yeah, it looks ridiculous. I've never seen that before. Um, that's something that you'd see in high school, obviously. Uh, not something you see major league level. Um, yeah, another learning experience. But I think it's just a testament to how connected we are to our phones and even Major League Baseball players can't get enough of fucking internet and iPhones. I'm I'm with you. I'm 100% addicted to my phone. It's terrible. Like, people were like, would you rather lose, like, like items or whatever? And, like, the phone was, like, the last thing. Like, I can't lose my phone. Because your right. phone is, your phone's everything. It's mm-hmm. food, transportation communication work it's ever it's everything you can literally yeah. do ev- entertainment you can literally do everything from from your phone it's it's, it's ridiculous i mean have when was the last time you took a poop without your phone dude it's Can't like one remember. of my favorite things right yeah when's the last time you went to the bathroom without your phone never i always get those never. red marks on my kneecaps because i'm always bending over watching my phone <laughs> i get it dude those are, right i get it man um, I want to talk about fantasy football. So we talked about it a little bit. Um, there's been how excited are you, dude? I'm excited. I'm, for I'm so I'm like I'm like I love baseball. Obviously, it's our favorite sport. It is the dog day of, of August. So I'm like, all right, like you know, I'm excited. Like there's a great game tonight. Uh, White Sox Astros. Yes. So like Dylan Cease versus Verlander. I'm pumped about that. The game's about to start right now. Um, so that will be fun and exciting. And plus the White Sox are playing a little bit better baseball. So those games will be competitive. So like, I'm excited about that. But outside of that, I'm like, all right, I'm kind of getting the football bug back. I'm like going to be in this neighborhood league. I'm already in a family league. Um, got to impress the neighbors. Got to impress the neighbors. I'm in the competitive league. Okay. Not the non-competitive league. I was like, put me in that competitive league. And not that I was talking a big game, but like, you know, I'm going to put my Packer flag up. Everyone's going to know which house is mine. So I got to bring it. And there's been a million power rankings everywhere. So I wanted to talk to you about, so I, I have the ringer fantasy football rankings and mm-hmm. I want to share them, but I also, you know, do you want me to share them? Or I kind of wanted to just get your thoughts on who your top three picks would be. And if you, if you don't really know, I can share them with you. I don't want to like give it away right now, like what the ringer had, but if you had to guess, the top rankings for 2022 fantasy football. Who are the, who are the top three picks that they had? Well, I have the, I have the link pulled up right now. So I'll already tell you, I have it. I have it pulled up. Um, And I see, uh, obviously I think, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So I think Jonathan Taylor, clear cut uh, number one, um, you know what you're getting. You're getting a healthy running back. You're getting a lot of upside. You're getting a very strong O line healthy. You're getting a very good old line. You have a new quarterback in there who can throw, who's going to open up the run game. Um, I think that's right there. Number two, it looks like Christian McCaffrey. I made a video about him today, actually. I'm kind of poking fun that, you know, a lot of he fantasy can't stay owners healthy. can't stay healthy. Fantasy owners kind of want to fade him. But I think this is a position, John, where it is go big or go home because you can't say that he is not one of the most, if not the most valuable running back, especially in a PPR league. I, I totally agree. Here's something that's underrated about running backs and something you should really take into account when you're drafting a running back. 
how, can they take a hit? And how do they t- do they take big hits? I feel like McCaffrey gets smoked. I feel like when he takes a big hit, it really jars him. I feel like nobody ever gets a big hit on um, Jonathan Taylor. And I think he's such a smooth running back, and I feel like no one really gets a good shot. He bounces constantly off of people. Now, that doesn't guarantee they're going to be like totally healthy, but every time I see... Like when I first saw Christian McCaffrey, I was like, wow, this dude's awesome. He's electric. But I saw him take a couple big hits, and I was like, ooh, I don't like that. There's sometimes there's there's wide receivers like that. There's other players like that that I'm like, they just give me pause to draft them because I'm just not confident they're not going to take a big hit. I drafted Derrick Henry last year, who was awesome. And I would have been a a definite threat in my league. And then he broke his fucking foot, um, which was like not – not because he didn't take a big hit. He just, he, you know, it happens, which is like a freak accident. But I would draft Eric Henry again because I think that's kind of a freak thing. Chris McCaffrey, for some reason, I just don't trust it. I just don't think that dude is going to be healthy. But to your point, it's a gamble. And if he mm-hmm. is healthy, he's going to get you points. That he's upside a, is very He's big. a stud. He can catch. There's so many yards after the catch. He, he'll get you a lot of really great receiving yards. Uh, and, I, and I could see Baker finding him like out in the backfield and like, you know, kind of like little ins and, and, you know, like short passes in the flat. Um, Number three, yeah, okay. Justin Jefferson. Yes. That's, that's easy. Justin Jefferson and Cooper cup. I'm like, yeah, there's no, those are no brainers. Um, Austin Eckler, number five, running back chargers. Derek Henry six, Jamar Chase seven, Najee Harris eight, Delvin Cook nine, Joe Mixon ten. Uh, one thing I wanted to cover with the uh, Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. Cooper Cup has a lot more competition at the wide receiver position. Allen Robinson is playing with the best quarterback he has in his entire career. Yes. Right? Yeah. So you gotta expect some kind of upside higher target share going to he's a good wide receiver and he really hasn't had he hasn't had a a good quarterback his entire career so i think this might be a spot if you're looking for um high upside on on these wide receivers i don't know where he's going exactly but that's got to be good so i mean i'm assuming some target shares are going to be taken away from cooper cop especially they're going i mean you can you can scheme up anything against a wide receiver for sure, but especially how he carved up defenses last season. You know they got to come in and seriously take a look at that and make sure you're not going to get beat by Cooper Cup. You make someone else beat you, right? Justin yes. Jefferson has a lot different competition um, as far as that wide receiver core goes. Um, and he plays it. He Justin Jefferson also, and I we our teams are in the NFC North. The NFC North is a. Um, much less competitive uh, conference uh, division than the NFC West. It's not even close. Right. You know what I mean? So he has more competition out there. And and I think Justin Jefferson, you know, Cousins looks for him a lot. I, I drafted Thielen a couple of years, like, you know, last couple of years, who's been solid. But Jefferson I, just was a monster. Like, he's so good. Yeah, I think Thielen's, I think he's done. I think there's going to be no value for him uh, coming up the, on, on this season. Yeah, he, he he kind of faded last year for me. Hey, let me ask you yeah. this question: Have you ever won a fantasy football league? I've never won at any year. I got no, the I've... first year I ever played in 2014. I got second place because Rogers won the MVP that year. He threw like 40 touchdowns, but like that's the closest 
I've ever gotten. My wife yes. won her second year in our league and then came in wow. second last year. She's like, Damn, awesome. we, we know who wears the pants in that house. Yeah, though. but you know what? I draft her team, which makes absolutely oh, wow. no sense. I help her draft her team. But she sets then, the lineup. Yeah, yeah, but no, but then she'll ask me my opinion and I will help her. And then she'll talk shit for beating me. And I'm like, you know, the only reason you drafted him is because I told you to do that. One right. year she she was like, should I get Patrick Mahomes? This was like in 20, what, 17 or 18, whatever. So he was like just coming out of Texas Tech and they had gotten rid of Alex Smith. They were committing to Mahomes. I go get this guy. He's good. Like he's really good. Um, and then she, I'm just like, you know, the only reason you're winning is because I helped you draft your team and I'm setting your lineup for you. Um, did you already get your uh, place in where you're uh, drafting? No, not yet. What about you? No. Wait, so um, you've ever won? You ever won? No, I've came in second multiple times. And it's usually, um, you know, that Christmas game is always very exciting because yes. you're, that's usually championship week. Yep. And I faced, guess, uh, the, the Christmas game I went against Alvin Kamara when he had five touchdowns in one game. Dude, that's Remember? a guy I always say I'm going to draft and I never draft. And then I watch him on Sunday. A monster. He's so good. He, yeah. He, so incredible. I came in second that season when he went off on Christmas. Um, so that one hurt. But hey, you know, second, you're still getting money. Um, it's still, you know, still a trophy on your record. You get those little silver trophies, whether you're with, you know, ESPN or Yahoo or whatever. But um, I like this list. Does anybody stand out to you or someone that you're targeting? I mean, the first, you know, 20 picks is pretty much like they're they're no brainers. You know what I mean? I think yeah, obviously no the, the the where you win is where you win off of health and then anybody in the later rounds. That's where leagues are won. I think Tyree Kill is pretty high on this list for 21, considering he has Tua throwing to him. I yeah. just I feel like I feel like that's way too high for him. And that's, that's ahead and that's, of Mike Evans, ahead of Key Higgins, that's a lot Keenan of Allen. To yeah, that, that's way yeah. high, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, some guys I see here. I'm looking forward to seeing A.J. Brown, obviously. I yeah. like what I saw off of um, Jalen Hurts. I don't know if you watched the first preseason game, but he drove uh, seven plays, 80 yards down the field for a touchdown in their first drive, which I thought was pretty impressive. And if I you saw, I can't decide if he's good. Dan Orlovsky broke down that play and kind of walked through his progressions, his reads, what the wide receivers are supposed to clear out uh, the safety in the middle of the field to get this little soft patch for Dallas Goddard. And he puts touch on the ball instead of leading him where the ball was supposed to be just like a lot of cool um, breakdowns for, for that drive at least. So it's exciting to, to kind of see him develop because who doesn't like those quarterbacks? They're mobile. They can throw. And, um, yeah, it's just, they're fun to watch. Who wants to watch someone sit in the pocket? Like you've mentioned on this podcast before how boring Tom Brady is sitting in the pocket, right? He's, he's so boring, which is amazing at how successful he, he is like just such a credit to like the, like how quickly he can process information and then see if like a guy's blitzing and, and just audible at the line. Like he's so good at audibling, audibling knows everything that you're doing. I it, Some of the most fascinating thing for Brady is to watch him pre-snap. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, I see him look at something. I'm just like, oh, shit. He, he sees this. What? And he's and he's going to – it was a pass. He's going to switch it out. He's going to hand it off to this running back for like four yards when it would have been an incomplete pass 
or maybe a loss of yards. You know what I mean? So he, and he just, he just, it's like death by a thousand cuts with Brady. He just a little bit here, a little bit there. He just can't, he just can never get a grasp on him because he's just, he's two steps ahead of everybody. Constantly. It looks like um, DK Metcalf is going. DK Metcalf is going as uh, number forty. That's ahead of Allen Robinson, ahead of Jalen Waddell. Um, who else we got here? Jerry Judy, Gabe Davis, Amari Cooper. Um, DK Dude, Metcalf. Thielen is, Thielen is forty-seven on here. I would think you would think that's pretty high. I would think that's high. Yeah, but um, the resume. Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud. I think that dude's so good for Detroit. Yeah. Like he should be, I think she, he should be higher or like, a, you know, move up on the list. That dude is really good and he's really fast and say what you want about golf. If golf can set his feet, that dude can throw and he can throw really well mm-hmm. with accuracy touch. The problem with him is like, if you move his feet even a little bit, he's, he's screwed. He cannot throw on the run or even like moving a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the more shallower positions, obviously, is tight end, right? We have Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. That's pretty much your top three. You could throw Darren Waller and uh, George Kittle in there. Sleeper um, pick is Robert Tunyon. That dude was a almost a pro bowler in 2020, and then he tore his ACL in 21. And because the, the Packers really don't have a lot of great receivers, like look for Robert Tunyon. I think he could be a sleeper pick at tight end. That dude is really good, and he's come back st- stronger than the last two years. Um, and he's been killing it in camp. He just got off the pup list. Sleeper pick, I'm telling you. That dude is a was a Pro Bowl tight end before he blew out his ACL, but he's been dominating in training camp. Just um, Zach Ertz. Um, Zach Ertz in Arizona. Um, Hopkins is going to miss the first six weeks. The target shares after he was gone, if you look at um, Zach Ertz, I think – one of the top 13% in the league, something like that, as far as target shares. So early in the season, look for Zach Ertz, I think, is going to get a lot of targets, especially with Hopkins gone. Um, yep. That's something I see there. Dallas Goddard, I'm a huge fan of. Big hands, big, nice, soft hands. Um, I like that you can get him later in the draft, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to go about this. Uh, John, have you ever gone with a no running back strategy in uh, fantasy? No, I haven't. No. You mean just like load up on wide receivers? Yeah, so you're getting you're getting pretty much value running backs later in the draft, and the the mentality behind that is wide receivers get hurt a lot less than running backs, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're hit a lot less, they're getting the ball a lot less, but. Um, you can load up on wide receivers early. You can get three wide receiver ones, and then you can kind of go into that uh, running back pool a little bit later in the draft, looking at guys like, um, let's see, you can go with a, a rookie like Brees Hall, A.J. Dillon. Um, sometimes Antonio Gibson will be there. I know Miles Sanders just got hurt. He stopped uh, practicing. Um, you know, Damian Harris, these kind of guys that might be a little touchdown dependent, but um, still a lot of value there. So that's okay. always an interesting, an interesting take. I've seen a lot of these like fantasy guys talk about that stuff, and um, you know, PPR like too. I mean, that that's really big, for sure, for sure. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm so excited for fantasy shit, dude. Me fantasy too. football. 
I I'm like, suck. I'm ready. At fantasy baseball, dude. I don't know. Are you are you doing well in our league? Or I'm no? pretty good. Uh, I, well, I haven't set my I mean, line, and I I don't want to be the excuse guy, the loser who's like, I don't set my lineup, but I haven't. I haven't set my lineup in so long. I'm you know I'm busy. So, I got shit going on. It's a daily. Yeah, you're thing. busy. I'm I'm busy too, and I have a kid. So I'm in sixth yeah, place. I, that's why I said seven. I don't want to be the excuse guy. It's not an excuse. So I'm seven and ten. Uh, I'm in sixth place. What's your team name? Did Big Dick Nick Big from Dick Philly? Nick from Philly. You're three and thirteen. Not bad. Not great. Not great. No. It's weird. I thought I was like I'm never gonna set my lineup. I do it fairly consistently. Like I've been actually pretty good at at doing it and following through. So. But I mean, even that, there's like, dude, there's some guys that are making moves constantly in our league. I don't know how they have time to do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, dude, like one guy's 14 and three. I'm like, Jesus. And I'm playing him this week. And I've, I've been paying attention. I'm seven and 10. It's just like, it's like being a full-time GM. Like you have right. to really read, like, it's like, a, it's like a full-time job. I think that's why fantasy baseball, maybe, you know, more people play fantasy football because it's like once a week and mm. you just set it once, but. Yeah, super pumped about fantasy. Um, but kind of going back to baseball, I want to talk about I want to talk about Jeter Arod relationship, but let's talk about the Jeter documentary. So I've been mm-hmm. begging you to watch it. So the Captain is a seven part documentary series on ESPN or ESPN Plus. It just wrapped last Thursday, the final episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been begging you to watch it. You finally finished it. Binged it. I have I have a lot of thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And before we, months ago, we talked about this was coming up and it was going to be a big deal. I had talked about just because you're good at your sport, you're a good athlete, doesn't mean that you're an interesting subject matter for a documentary, a book, anything. Just because you're good doesn't mean you're interesting, i.e. Mike Trout. You know what I mean? Yep. So my... My thought process or my thought going into this was Jeter is so boring. Okay. He he's he's not he's not interesting. Um, you understand that's by design though, right? That's by design. I I get it. I get it. But this yeah. is a, a documentary and entertainment product. I don't think I don't think Brady, Tom Brady, is interesting. I think Brady is so boring. Like Brady loves football. And that's all he likes. And that's you all he thinks about. You can't call winners boring, though. You can't. You of can, course you can. Of course you can. You can say. You can. It's not like it's not binary. Like he can be. He can be a winner. And he can also be boring as hell. Tom Brady you, is so boring. Michael Jordan be, isn't. You know, Michael Jordan is not as boring as. You're looking at surface level things then. A a winner, a champion, a CEO who's making billions of dollars. Maybe they're not giving you quotes like they talked in the doc. Mark Cuban Cuban is not boring and he is super successful. That would be a fascinating subject of a documentary. This Jeter documentary is so fucking boring. I watched seven episodes of it. I learned nothing about him. Nothing. Not a thing other than he really wants to win. That's the yeah. only thing I learned. I'm like, well, he oh, kept cool. very everything very shielded from uh, from the media for certain reasons too. And he Great. goes back to his now childhood. we have an inside documentary. I learned nothing. Great, he was bla- he was blasé to the media, g- giving them bullshit quotes. Okay, great, your career is over. What do we not know about you? 
Nothing. The guy won five championships. You talk about his childhood that. with the eyes on him and why he feels like everybody's watching him and he's got to watch his P's and Q's. He's come from a, a, a multiracial home and um, the Indian says that he grew up with that. The, the fact that he has won the amount that he does, the way he goes about his work, you can look at it and say it's boring, but the way that he goes about his work, the, the tweaks that he had to make as he got older, those are things that you don't look at. It's like, we had a, a discussion with Brian Cashman because nobody wanted to tell Jeter he needs to change. You need to be more quicker. You have to work on your arm strength, certain things like that, that he's like, wow, they actually came to me. And, you know, the arbitration stuff, you don't know what goes on behind the doors in arbitration until something like this, which was really cool. And how about the people involved? Um, the woman who was with the um, the, the uh, Marlins, the, 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 the one of the first – a woman in the front front office oh, that yeah. was a part of his arbitration. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Those I, things. Again, yes. I didn't know she was part of the arbitration, but I knew she, he made her the first GM of the Marlins. But again, tell me something in it. When I watch a documentary, I want to find out something that I didn't know that, that OJ documentary made in America was like one of the greatest documentaries I had ever seen. I learned so I, I know so much about the OJ trial and I learned so much about OJ, the LAPD so much that I didn't know it blew my mind. I knew 98% of the information in this documentary. Most of it was just recapping Jeter's career and spoiler alert. I saw it. I watched it in real time. I will say you must've followed him pretty closely if you knew everything. So of course, I'm a baseball fan. All I have to, all I have right. to do is watch the game. I thought here's the number. Here's the one thing. It was ACS, episode one. Up, the the last couple sucked in my opinion. But the one interesting thing I thought was the most interesting in the doc and something I didn't know. Gene Michael, his nickname was Stick. So in '94 or something like that, I think '93 or a couple years right before Jeter was drafted, um, the Yankees had sucked. You know, they were a powerhouse in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and then sucked in the 70s and 80s. They were just weren't very good and into the 90s. And Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner, the owner of the team, was like making moves and he stepped away because the fans booed him like he was hated. He, they, they were like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Get him out of there. So he left He and he gave the GM reins over to Gene Michael, Gene Stick Michael. Uh, Buck Showalter was the manager at the time and referred to him as Stick. And this guy was the reason that they drafted Jeter, Bernie Williams, Posada. And historically, as we know, Steinbrenner, his way of, of building a baseball team was like, Find me stars. Like I will pay a lot of money for stars. Like go yeah, get me to that acquire guy. them and not homegrown your talent. Exactly, exactly. He was notorious about getting guys who did well against the Yankees. He's like, oh, he's a Yankee killer. Let's just get him on our team. So, and you see that later in like the two thousands when they you, get Chiambi, Canseco, Rathia, Teixeira. Yes, you see that oh. later. The twenty, the two thousand nine team was like was bought, you know, and you definitely see that too. But the dynasty, the Jeter dynasty, Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Derek Jeter, Scott like, Brocious, Scott Brocious, Chuck Knobloch, Chuck Knobloch, the, the, the core, Paul O'Neill, the core, yes, Paul O'Neill, great call. The core of those players were drafted when Steinbrenner was out of there, and then Steinbrenner came back in like '94, '95, and then got credit for all of these championships when really it was mm. Gene. Is the guy who 
was able to assess and find and draft that talent. I thought that was the most wow. fascinating thing about the documentary. Sounds it wasn't like you learned about- something. Sounds like one you thing something. that it's was crazy. that was not the subject of the entire documentary. The last two episodes were so boring. Did you know and how that, bad he struggled in the minors? No, but that wasn't that interesting. No. Everybody struggles in the minors. Who's who's amazing in the minors? Okay. Um, uh, did you know the night that he went out to go to that party when he took out Hideki Matsui and he got put in the back page of the papers that he's out partying? Steinbrenner called him in his office and he's like, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. That day he named him captain. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. But there okay. wasn't enough of those. There was like sure. three in- semi-interesting things. I guess than- if you're not a Yankees fan or you're not a Jeter fan or whatever, I could. I am, I I am guess, a yeah. I, I like Jeter. I like him. I follow the Yankees. I like the Yankees. Basically, it was like, hey, do you remember when the Yankees were good? Watch this seven-part documentary series. Yeah, and it was great. I mean, that they they ran Listen, baseball. I enjoyed I mean- like I enjoyed it. I just it's it's kind of what I expected. I thought it was going to be boring because Jeter is boring, and it was. He's one okay. of the greatest shortstops of all time, and he's a Hall of Famer, and he's the, a winner just like Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. Like yeah, I think boring. just a recap. The re- the recap on stuff was great. His last home game, I mean, you couldn't write a, a script like that better. I love baseball, and I was going – I ate it up. Like, yeah. I ate it up. Just like the last dance with Michael Jordan. I ate all those episodes up. Like, now definitely more interesting with Phil Jackson and, you know, Rodman. That's It wasn't just about Jordan. Um, it was about that team. Was, well, how about the with, relationships, especially right, so, the one with Jeter? And so let's uh, talk A-Rod. about Jeter A Rod. So that I will say, all right, two things. I'll give you this. The second thing was the Jeter A Rod relationship, and that clip that they played. I believe it was for episode before episode two or three, when A Rod was saying, "Yeah, like." Jeter's great, but, you know, he hits two in a lineup. It's very different than hitting third or fourth, and he's got a whole team, you know. Like, and when you face the Yankees, you know, you're not worried about Derek Jeter. You're worried about Paul O'Neill or Bernie Williams, you know. So right. he was just talking shit about him, and, you know, I'm not surprised. Like, and I have to give, you know, Jeter did mention this in the documentary, which I thought was interesting. I'm not a big fan of A-Rod. Another thing. But, like, I'm not a big yeah, another thing. I guess it was pretty good. I, I've i never been a big fan of A-Rod, but he touches on something that I thought was really interesting. So Jeter is is a great player. He's a good guy, um, does the right thing, just a really admirable person and player and someone you would you would want you you know to be a role An model. An ambassador of kid. baseball. Right? Absolutely. And a huge part of that was his upbringing, and he had really good parents. Parents mm-hmm. that were there for him that were disciplined, that made sure he did his homework, that made sure he worked hard, that made sure he did the right thing. Was he, he, the Derek Jeter's success can be traced back to his parents. And he had two mm. great parents. Um, I just thought of the funniest tweet. Chris Rock years ago tweeted that Steph Curry is Allen Iverson, but with two parents. Which I thought was the funniest joke ever. But, but so Jeter's very secure you know, confident and A-Rod is so insecure. He still is now watch him on any broadcast. It's just unbearable to watch him try to, you know, assimilate to regular people and culture. Mm-hmm. He's like an alien. He just can't quite do it. He wants the people to like him. He wants to be like everybody else and he just can't do it. 
Well, and I think a big part of that goes from like they touched on is being famous in the limelight at such a young age. Of course, but, but he talked about this too. He had he didn't have a father growing up. It's a huge, mm-hmm. huge part of that. He right. talked about well, maybe my insecurities. Like I didn't have a father growing up. I didn't have what Derek Jeter had. I think that's a huge reason of of A Rod, like wanting everyone to love him and seeking approval from strangers and being on TV and doing all this other dumb shit. Um, mm-hmm. and the reason why you watch that, you know, Derek Jeter was on Sunday night baseball with Michael K and a rod. They do this like show and just their interactions. Like a rod was just, you know, awkward and telling dumb stories. And you look over at Jeter and he's just like, Oh God, like this guy just doesn't get it. And I think huge, I think it, that Jeter, that Jeter documentary kind of explained a lot of like who I thought a rod was, but also perhaps some reasons to why he is the way he is because of his upbringing and no father figure. And, you know, you look at how Derek Jeter, what he had growing up and how he turned out. I think that's a huge part of it. I thought that, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, the family stuff, the behind the scenes is what I, what I really like. That and, was cool. Um, that was know, cool. Somebody told me that they didn't like that. It made it look like Derek Jeter. Maybe it was it you that said like the media was out to get him and, they made it look like, you know, it was like propaganda of how like no one was that. given G. Okay. Well, somebody told me that recently and it's like, dude, you're the shortstop of the New York Yankees and you're the face of baseball. Yeah. You are the center point. Like, how can you say like people weren't out to, to, he was getting pictures in the back page, party on all that kind of stuff. They wanted to do anything to, they also, you know, drove a wedge between him and A-Rod. I mean, he did that, you know, A-Rod did that himself, but he was definitely a target. Oh yeah, one hundred percent for sure. And it was it was cool to see like how he, you know, basically gave the media the middle finger by not giving them any quotes. And he would talk about like his go tos of like, oh yeah, I didn't know about that. You have to ask him. You know, I didn't see that. You know. Yeah. So all by design. Yes, it was. He's boring, but I love baseball, so I watched it. Um, last thing, feel the dreams game. Did you watch it? Cubs Reds last week. I did not, and the Cubs were in it, and um, I was actually filming well, another podcast. Well, you didn't miss anything um, because it was not the greatest game, um, right? And you can tell because game ratings fell by nearly fifty percent from last year. So, a big ratings drop um, happened for the second Field of Dreams game, which will not return until at least twenty twenty four. Cubs Reds averaged three point. 1 million viewers down 47% versus the year ago Yankees White Sox uh eight home run marathon 5.87 million. Um, it was a terrible choice of putting two teams in there, the Cubs and the Reds. The Reds were one of the the worst team in baseball in April and probably into May as well. The worst team in baseball and you're going to put them with the Cubs who suck as well. So what do you expect? Who's going to watch that? Last year's was so much more exciting, the Yankees and the White Sox. And I didn't even watch it, and the Cubs were in it. I didn't give a shit. I saw it all last year. Ooh, feel the dreams in the cornfields. Like, all right, we get it, dude. Like, going to see this again with two shittier teams? No thanks. Like, I saw it already. And that's why I think it's not going to come back for another two years because it's like, we get it. Feel the dreams. And they just put a terrible product on the field. How many times are you going to have Kevin Costner come out and say, want to have a catch? Like, we get it. We've been there. Plus, that movie's well, this, not even good. First of all, that movie's amazing. Second of it's all, this amazing. time they didn't have Kevin Costner do it. It was uh, King Griffey Jr. and King Griffey Sr. 
Right. Yeah. Um, it was that it was it, they were trying really, really hard. And last last year's was amazing. It was memorable. The game was incredible. It was really, really hard to replicate that. The sad thing is Thursday's Field of Dreams game now stands as MLB's most watched game of 2022. So what does that tell you? Not yeah. great. Not great. Um, Why don't they do a rookie of the year game? Where they go to there's Wrigley so many, Field. Dude, there's so many other fun things that we could do. Like Rick, like tap into 90s baseball's movies, like My Jam, Little Big League, okay? Like something fun with the twins, Henry Rowan Gardner with the Cubs. Like there's a million things you could do, fun things. Or have it like there's that all like all day or that midnight baseball game at Alaska that they do. I thought I saw like yeah. an E60 on that a while ago. Like do it in Alaska. Like that would be super cool. Or do it overseas. Like some do in London, something really cool like that. But and that's the MLB's, MLB's move, right? Moving to nostalgia. That's that's the move. So that's what I think they're trying to rely on. Let's go back to the I, field. Of I dream. got it. But they keep going to that well, and right. it dries up pretty quick. Like, all right, tap into field of dreams. Cool. That was awesome. Wow, that game was incredible. Like, what? You're never gonna top that. Why do it again? You know what right. I mean? But they're MLB, That's how MLB marketing thinks. They're like, oh, this worked. Great. Let's just keep doing that. And they just. They don't get it. They have people that just don't understand. I don't think social media, um, how marketing works. And I feel also they don't, they have no idea whatsoever how to tap into young people and how to resonate with them. So they just keep hammering their demographic, which is old 55 year old white dudes. And here's an example, John, here's an example. Narcos, the song that Edwin Diaz walks out to top five on the playlist Across the country. Because why? Because everyone knows when Edwin Diaz comes out. It's exciting. People want to see that. That entrance from him coming from uh, the bullpen out into the stadium. He does his little shoulder shrug. Music comes on. That's electric. That's marketing. Everybody saw that video. It went all over social media. People loved it. That that song is rated you know, very high on the charts. That's the stuff that they need to be tapping into because that's what people want to see. Totally agree. I and know they didn't little... go. They didn't go to commercial for that. Did you notice that two times during that Mets game? They didn't go to commercial. Instead of going to commercial and grabbing you know money from Fidelity or Rocket Mortgage or whatever it is, they stayed there. They didn't go to commercial and they followed Edwin Diaz go out. And people were like, "Oh my God, this is what happens." I think even McAfee said, "This happens at the game." Oh my God! And they gave you that experience. You got to have that experience of being at the stadium listening to him come out, which is an electric point of the game. And he got to share that with millions of people. I know they major league baseball. If you're listening to this and let's face it, you probably are. Uh, please hire us for your marketing department so we can help you grow the game in a fun and engaging way. Thanks. Please do. Please do. Uh, last thing. Manti Teo, former linebacker for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, maybe you remember that he had the fake girlfriend uh, yes. that died. Murdered. Um, or murdered, excuse me. So Wasn't she doc- murdered? Fake murdered? Oh, God. Dude, it was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't... She was, like, died or something. It doesn't matter. Yeah, she was she made was. up. She didn't exist. So there's a documentary on Netflix about it. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. I didn't really care about it then. I don't really care about it now. I'm not going to watch, but a lot of people have been talking about it. Does that interest mm-hmm. you at all? Um, I have, I'm have. i seeing it right now. Um, I'm going to watch the trailer 
and see about it. So what do they do? They dissect it and they talk about why he lied or what? Yeah, they're like, why did you do this? This is so I'm answer about him being in college. Like, eh, I'm good. Are you, yeah. Wait, baseball movies, you don't like Feel the Dreams. Do you like A League of Their Own? Yes, I think that's one of the better baseball movies. I agree. Actually, fun fact, out of all the baseball movies, so The Sandlot, The Natural, Bull Durham, A League of Their Own is still the highest grossing baseball film ever made. Number the one. cast was electric. Cast was it's amazing. Electric. And they remade it for Amazon. So my wife and I have been watching A League of Their Own. It's on Amazon. There's like eight episodes. They're about an hour each. We watched it over the weekend. We stopped in after episode four. And when my wife and I, if we like, you know, like you, you go to your queue on your Apple TV, whatever. And when we like, we're like mid episode. That's when we know we're not feeling it. And it's not great. Um, okay. You know. Do they recap the it, movie or is it a different storyline? It's a different story. It's a different story. Now, they still have the Rockford Peaches, which is interesting. So right. still the All-American Girls Baseball League in like 43. And what's interesting about it is that one of the main characters, uh, is it's, it's a black woman and she's a really good pitcher, but they won't let her play. And they kind of give a nod to this very briefly in the movie with that foul ball goes, um, and there's like an area of, of, of black people and a woman and they're like, Hey, throw the ball back. And the woman yep. just rifles a rocket, like all the yeah. way to, to the backstop or the, no, where Dottie to Betty is, spaghetti the yeah. She's like, Oh I my think it was God. Betty spaghetti. Who was pitching? No. Well, it was, she threw it to Gina Dave. Oh, you might be right. No, might've been, Betty. I'm a hundred percent right. She overthrew right, Gina right. Davis you're right. to the you're pitcher. Right. And she goes, ow, that's yeah. right. She goes right here. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. But so they, they talk, so they talk about the Negro leagues and then they talk about, you know, and then it's profiling on her and her experience and being African-American in the forties and wanting to play baseball and just not letting her do it. So she's a woman and she's African-American. So that is interesting. And they, and they go into the city of Rockford. So delving into like, you know, the manufacturing industry and trying to get a job. And so like that part's really interesting. Um, but also like none of them are athletes, which I don't expect them to be athletes, but it's, it's bad. Like is Jimmy really... Dugan still a drunk? No, it's played by Nick Offerman. Right. But is he like Swanson. a drunk? No, he's not a, he's not a drunk. Uh, so I feel like they really the did... character. I really, I feel like they really didn't know what to do with his character either. He's like this old sort of into them, but not really. And then he's kind of into them. There's like no strong point of view from that character, which mm. sucked. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the two main characters on the team are secretly lesbians. So there's like a relationship within the team, which is an interesting dynamic. Um, but it's not super, it's not super strong. There's not a strong point of view from the characters in my opinion. And if, it just falls flat, especially after you've seen the movie, you have really high expectations. I like what they did with the story plot and delving, delving some new areas. But if I, if you ask me, would I recommend it? I would probably say no, because there's so many other things to watch, which is a bummer. Yeah. Because that's one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite lines from the movies when Tom Hanks was like, he's drunk on the bus and he wakes up and he's like, come here, baby. And he makes out with that, you know, that ugly looking goes, woman. I loved you in the wizard of Oz. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. 
because it was very accurate depiction of Almira Gulch. Do you, do you, one of my, also, this is, no one ever references this, but I think it's so funny is when he takes, he wants to have a drink and then Gina Davis takes his alcoholic drink and then gives him a Coke and he takes a sip of it and he just goes, was it was it root beer or no i I think it was a coke oh okay yeah that's just great dude tom hanks is so like he's he's revered as this amazing actor obviously one of the greatest of all time but he's so funny dude like his earlier stuff he's hilarious he's such a gifted comic like comedic actor he's brilliant I'm i'm glad you brought that up i just watched elvis did you watch elvis no, because I got shitty reviews. Oh my gosh! So yeah, it was Is just it good. Like, it was kind of whatever the casting. They casted Tom Hanks as like a German, like he I was know. like the the manager, and it was like it was like comedic, not on purpose. He was like, hey, Elvis, we're going to go on tour, and it was just like what? Like you know that's Tom Hanks, and he's talking in this like weird German accent, and you're like, dude, you got to cast somebody else for that. You can't have Tom Hanks. Well, I think that might have been the first time Tom Hanks ever wore prosthetics, right? Like, I can't remember another movie where they, like, altered his appearance. Um, I can't. Is there any movie? I don't think so. I mean, I mean I'm story. Just, but... Good point. <laughs> yeah, he looked nothing like Woody. No. He looked more like Woody than he did the Elvis character. Yeah, this German guy. Um, yeah, that's um, that's the recap, dude. Yeah. All right, my ma'am. I think that covers everything. I think we covered absolutely everything. I'm going to go grab dinner and then uh, watch this uh, White Sox game. Watch Verlander a little bit. I'm going to turn that on. Um, Guys, thank you for watching. Appreciate it. Lost in the Shuffle on Tuesdays. Streaming from Playmaker Betting, Sheffield Shuffler on Twitter, on YouTube. uh, Playmaker HQ. Follow them. That's where a lot of our um, podcast stuff is hosted. And, um, yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday um, for more sports recap, and we'll get lost in the shuffle. John, thank you as always. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. We'll see you later. Peace.